Hey, good morning. Oh, you could do better than that. This is kind of like the middle morning service. You got an extra hour of sleep. Good, good morning. Oh, yeah. Look at all these guys down here. This is awesome. Hey, isn't this a great church? It's your opportunity to clap for yourselves. I mean, isn't this a great church? I mean, I'm, I'm watching these videos, and um, this happens to be, I believe, one of the absolute best churches on planet Earth. I mean, you know, there's, there, there's some churches that go into hibernation. There's other churches that go into every nation. Ooh. Right? Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, some churches start at 1030 sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull. Uh. <laughs> uh, you know, when I think about this, you know, I've, I've gone to some churches that are so dead that if someone died and they called 911, they'd have to clear out 50% of the people to find the real dead person, you know? <laughs> This, this church is alive. I mean, they, they care about the city. They care about people. They care about you. It's, it has a lot to do with, I believe, some of the best pastors on planet Earth who I love with all of my heart, my very, very best friends. By the way, J.O. had the haircut first. I'll just give that to him. Would you put your hands together for your pastors? You just love them so much. Oh, yeah. Woo. awesome. Hey, well, you guys have been in an incredible series called All In. Would you say All In? in. And and Pastor J.O. is bringing a word to you to just to talk about what it means to really to live life the way that Jesus wanted you to live. He didn't just come to save you so that you could live some kind of difficult, boring life. He came to give you abundant life, to give you life to the full, to allow you to experience fullness of life. Well, there's something that you and I have to do in order to experience that. And that's what this series is all about. Uh, More so, I really believe that this series has a lot to do with the season and the timing that this church is in. And I believe that God's doing something very specifically with every single one of you. You are not here by accident. God needs you. God called you. God placed you. He's put you in here because he wants to do something greater in this area. And it's going to require every one of you, including those of you that would be guests today. You actually thought you came here by accident. God's got his finger on you as well. How many believe that this area could use a little bit more Jesus and a little bit less of the devil? Come on. Come on. Well, that's our part. That's what this whole series is about. So we're going to talk today about being all in for Jesus. All in Jesus. And when I think of the word all in, all in just simply means that I'm willing to risk everything for a greater return. Now, I know none of you have ever played poker. But if you ever did play poker, you would realize the better the hand, the bigger the bet. When you look at your hand and you have a pair of twos, you'll throw in a penny. If you have a royal flush, it all goes in. When you think of your life and you think of everything where you could invest your life, your time, your energy. When I think about church, when I think about Jesus, when I read the Bible, when I begin to see exactly what God has said for you, I begin to realize this is a Holy Ghost royal flush. And I'm willing to put my all in 
because I believe that there is a great return. All in, all in. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I had the wonderful privilege of spending two weeks in your gorgeous city for our family vacation. We came up here and spent two weeks with the kids and grandkids. And one day we decided to to go on a family outing to a little podunk place in the middle of the country called Silverwood. And we, we saw the website, and we saw the little flyers, and you know, the cute little choo-choo train, a little place to do a picnic, and a little splash pad. And so we just thought we're going to go out there with the grandkids, and they could, you know, pop some balloons and have some fun. And I didn't know that at this particular podunk place that there was this behemoth structure on the south end of the park called Aftershock. And as I pulled into the parking lot, I noticed this 20-story infrastructure with people attached to it that were screaming their heads off. You could hear them clear across the street. And there are these people with their feet dangling going just at a insane pace straight towards the earth. And I thought, no, this is this looks kind of cool. I, I didn't know that it dropped 191 feet straight down towards the ground. I, you know, I, I didn't know that it went 65 miles an hour with four and a half G's of force to where your cheeks would wrap around the backside of your ears as you went straight to I didn't know all of that. I, I didn't know that it was rated the number one Roller coaster in America in 2000. I didn't know any of that, 2012. And so as we went into the park and we're walking around, we finally made our way around the loop and we're getting close to it and the screams are louder and we begin trying to talk with the grandkids and seeing who wants to go to the, to the ride and at least walk by it, you know, touch it, look at it. And the closer we got, something insane started to happen in me. It was kind of like, I think I, think I might try that thing. Tried to talk the grandkids into it, absolutely not. One lost, two lost. My son-in-law's a bunch of schoolgirls, they lost. And my wife looked at me and she says, I'm all in. And I'll, ne I'll never forget, again, us hot-looking, young, dynamic daredevils sitting next to each other. Your feet are dangling. And when you put the seatbelt in, I realize, OMG. I wasn't even wearing Depends. And I thought, I'm all in. I mean, it's, it's like there, there's no turning back. I'll start, you know, and it goes 20 stories and it goes, and you're going like 65 miles an hour towards the ground. And also, all I could just remember is going, Mommy, you know. I was all in for the ride of my life. Would I ever do that again? Heck no. It's probably where I last, lost my last two hairs on the top of my head. They just scorched right off, you know. But Talking about being all in. For you to be an all in person, this is, this is actually what Jesus requires of you, not asks. Is that we're willing to give all, not some, all, to receive all for the one who gave all for you. 
We love to read the stories about Jesus in the Bible and how he loves us and grace is there. But I read a lot of stories about the fact that Jesus said, if you don't forsake all and take up your cross and deny yourself, you can't follow me. I mean, there's some of those scriptures in there we don't like to read. We forget in our 21st century context. The one that says, leave your father or your mother or your brother, or the one that says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We don't like those scriptures, but they actually came from Jesus talking about giving your all to receive all because he gave his all for you. And so this morning, we're going to look at a story of a guy named Simon. Simon ultimately became Peter. Simon was like you and I just doing life and had a divine collision with Jesus. And in this one encounter, his life was radically changed forever. And he ultimately became one of the most significant men in the Bible, ultimately led thousands to Christ, wrote different books in the Bible. This guy was a stud. And it wasn't because of something that he did. It was something that Jesus did in his encounter with him. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open up, please, to Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at the first encounter that Simon Peter has with Jesus. Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, it will be on the screen. I'll read to you. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We have toiled all night, and we have took nothing, but, another translation says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything. It's kind of like aftershock. They went all in and followed him. As this story unfolds, we forget to realize that something was already unfolding since the beginning of time. And what you see as the story unfolds, unknown to Peter, is the fact that God already went all in for him. 
He wasn't looking for Jesus. He wasn't necessarily having a need. There wasn't a burden. We find this first account, the fact that it wasn't necessarily Peter that was trying to find Jesus, but it was Jesus finding Peter. And what you find as you look at this particular story is that Peter begins to have this revelation. As Jesus is standing in front of him, God in the flesh, that God chose to leave that to come down in the form of flesh to have a personal, intimate, individual encounter with him. It began to unfold. He, he had no idea, but what was beginning to happen is that the redemption of humanity in the form of Jesus would be right before his eyes. I realize this, that God went all in for you, despite you. He went all in simply because you're human. God loves freakishly foul people. As we sung the song today, so eloquently written by the man, Seth, what a song talking about the kind of people that God loves. He loves you despite you. And when you think about that, God not only loves you despite you, but he just loves you because of you. He, he loves you and wants a relationship with you. Listen, listen, here's a news flash for some of you. He actually created you for one main reason, to have a relationship with him. That's why you're even here. Somehow we think in our minds like, hey, well, maybe one of these days I, I might consider allowing God into my life. Can I just be careful for a second? I'm, I'm, this may sound a little, little terse. How stupid can you be and still breathe? Listen, he created you. He had you in mind. And he placed you here. He put you in your mother's womb. You're actually here because God desired from the beginning of time to have a personal, intimate, loving relationship with you. He wanted you to know that you're chosen and that you're significant and that you can have peace and joy and forgiveness and you can have life and you can have hope and you can have purpose and fulfillment and all of those things. He created you just so he could sit back like we do with our kids and just enjoy the pleasure of just loving your kids and pouring into them and watching them grow and watching them succeed and, and just it's just like, man, I just love my kids. I just, I love being around them. I love seeing their lives unfold. That was put in your heart because that's the very heart of God to you. God went all in for you. He did that by sending Jesus, God in the flesh. He sent his best. He sent his all. Jesus went all in for you. And when we look at this story, what we begin to see is God's plan unfolding in the form of Jesus in an encounter with Peter. It's just another day for Peter. 
They were just out fishing. They hadn't caught anything. They had been up all night as per their tradition. They're probably wanting to go home and clean up a little bit, eat some hummus, maybe some sardines or whatever they do back there. And as they're sitting on this, listen, the story unfolds, it says, there, there, there was a crowd. They're, they're over here doing their own thing, and over here is this noise, this crowd. And Jesus is in this crowd teaching. And here comes this guy, this long-haired, robe-toting, kind of lumber-sexual you know the term big beard like Don. Stand up, Don. Turn around. Lumber sexual. Thank you. I'll just put some clarity to that. And here comes Jesus. And they hear the noise. There, there, there's some noise going on. There's some, some ruckus going on. And listen, 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 listen. You got to get this. It says, and then Jesus turned from the crowd and it says he stepped in to Simon's boat. So many of us, we hear about Jesus, church, religion. Even those that maybe are, are inside the church, we get so preoccupied and he becomes this outside figure. But what we see here is Jesus decides to step into personal space with Simon. Why? It's because he mattered to him. He matters to you. Isn't it beautiful that when your life, maybe you're facing a tragedy or a trial or something happens, and all of a sudden you just go, ah, and all of a sudden he just steps in. He's just, he's just right there. He just steps in. He comes and brings you peace or joy or love or happiness or whatever it might be. He steps into your boat. Jesus himself stepped into Peter's boat. And he turns now and it says this in, in Luke 5, 4. And when he had finished speaking, there's all the crowds. He says, and then he said to Simon. In other words, he wanted to take, God himself wanted to take everything that the kingdom of God represented, and he just wanted to make it personal. So you know what? I went all in for you. What is it that you need? How many guys like Home Depot? I mean, okay, just, Imagine if you were given a card seven day a week, 24 hours a day, you could just take a card and buy whatever you wanted at any time. I mean, how many guys would like that? Okay, what about Cabela's? Let me get a little bit. Okay, okay, now we got some guys, man. Going, oh, yeah. See, Jesus comes in the same way and he steps into your boat and he speaks to you individually and says, Whatever you need, whatever you need, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're having, whatever challenge you have, I want you to know, because I'm going to ask you, Jordan, to go in all for me, I'm showing you I went all in for you. I gave everything. 
for you. And so it's interesting to see as he jumps into his boat that there's this collision. Do you remember the first collision you had with Jesus? I, I mean, I sit back and I think about, and I, t- I talk about this often, but I remember back in the summer of 1982, sitting on my couch at 3 a.m. in the morning, watching black and white The Monsters. Those of you that would be 50 and older go, oh, yeah, I remember that show. You're all excited. The rest of these guys are going, what's The Monsters, right? Dun, 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 dun. And I just turned one channel, and there's Keith Green looking for Keith Green, for some guy to sing, you put love in my heart. I'll never forget that personal encounter. My life falling apart, one touch, one moment, Jesus stepped in to my boat, in to my life, just like he did yours. The more that you remember what he did, the easier it is to give all. If you forget that one moment, it's real easy to forget when it comes to giving everything to him. You don't want to do it because you forgot that he did everything for you. Peter had this encounter. And what you find is that Every single one of us, when when Jesus comes and asks us to follow him, the choice is really yours. We talked about this Friday night. Some people resist it and say, I'm not in at all. Others might say, hey, listen, I'm in a little bit or maybe sometimes or maybe 90 minutes a week on Sundays or maybe once a month. And so we kind of have this barometer of how much we're willing to go in. Jesus is really asking for us to go all in at all times with him. There's guys throughout the Bible that went all in, and there's a lot of guys that didn't. I think of the rich young ruler was asked to just give up his stuff. I mean, just stuff that didn't matter anyways. And it says, he went away sad because he knew he had many possessions. You never see his name or his story recorded again in Scripture. What a tragedy. What a waste that somehow, some way, he thought his stuff was more important than a relationship with God. What a tragedy. I think about Judas Iscariot. Judas was a guy that had the wonderful privilege. He was one of the 12 chosen by God himself to walk with Jesus. And he decided to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. His life ended by hanging himself in a tree, committed suicide. Let me ask you a question. Where are you? Throughout this whole series, talking about all in, and maybe those that maybe it'd even be new or here a couple weeks, when you think of your life, is Jesus out here a spoke or is he your hub? Is, 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 when you think of God, is it just something that you actually call in when you need him, like a cabbage patch doll, just to comfort once in a while? I don't know where that came from, but it's pretty funny. (laughs) She laughed, and I thought, you're right, that's pretty dumb. But anyways, (laughs) 
just, just stick with me here. Whatever your vice is, hunting, I'm going to go get real close here. Jay, going to kick me off the platform. Jesus. You can go hunt. You can go do all these things. Listen, it's even like money. It's okay to have money, just money shouldn't have you. It's okay to go hunting as long as hunting doesn't have you. It's, it's the, the place of priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. But we spend our whole life trying to add things unto him and wonder why we live such a difficult life is because Jesus is your spoke, not your hub. This, this is where Jesus is going in this story here. I mean, this is, this is not, you know, 21st century popular Christianity here. And so we see something unfold here is that in this particular story that there's a couple things that happen in Peter's life. And I'm just going to mention them quickly in that short time that we have together. The first thing we see that Peter does, his mind goes all in. In verse 5, it says, Simon Peter answered to him, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. He's, He's... He's the expert. He's the fisherman. But he says, nevertheless, or at your word, I'll let down my nets. In other words, the way I see it in my mind, the way I think, I've already tried this. I've fished all night. I've I've, I've put my nets down. Nothing happened. It doesn't make sense in my mind to do that. But because it's in your mind, Jesus... I'll do that. He chose to be brainwashed. Hey, listen, listen. The only way you can go all in is by losing your mind. And putting on his mind. Asking yourself the question, are you brainwashed or is your brain washed? Who, who is it that fills that mass between your ears when it comes to your marriage, your time, your money, your kids, life, church, God, Bible, religion. There's something that is percolating between your two ears. Their thoughts, synaptic connections are going. Who is initiating those thoughts? You or him? It's so easy to look at a situation in life and go, well, I think that this is what we ought to do. Instead of saying, you know what, let's take a moment. Let's pray about it. Let's actually go to the Word and see what God would think about this. And why don't we try that to this situation because I've caught nothing. Even though I might think I'm the expert, I've caught nothing but because you say to do this differently, treat my wife differently, do something different with my money or my time. It doesn't seem to make sense because I'm so busy, but God, you said it. I'm going to think that. He went all in in his mind. He takes it one step further and he goes all in with his, with his heart. And in Luke 5, 8 is... He says, at your word, I'll let down the nets for the catch. In other words, okay, I'm going to think the way that you think. He kind of, and all of a sudden it says, and there, 
nets begin to break. Their nets were full. They begin to sink. They signaled to their partners to help them. They had to get other boats. They started filling them up. And it was in that moment, bam, you see that it went from intellect to his innermost being. It went to his heart. And he says that he fell down at Jesus' knees. In other words, he, he, he postured himself as Boana Boani, God, servant, creator, created. You're in charge, I'm not. And he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. He, he got close enough to Jesus where he began to recognize that his heart was deceitfully wicked above all things. To the point where he says, I can't even be in your presence because I am so stuck on myself. I'm so prideful. I'm so arrogant. I'm so self-centered. I'm so narcissistic. And it's just bothering me. Depart from me. And so he begins to have this, this heart encounter. Let me say this. There's a direct connection between the outcome of your life and the level of surrender of your life to Jesus. The more that you give him all, the more that you live the life that you were created to live. Guys, guys, where's your heart? I mean, when, when you put your head on your pillow at night, what are you passionate about? I mean, I mean well, you know, I love God. Well, then, how much time do you pray? Or, or when you come into worship, I mean, how many of you are up here like Seth Owen? I remember at MFI watching you worship, and you're, I was sitting there, and you were up in the front, and every, every time we worship, he'd come from his seat up in the front, and it was just like David dancing before the Lord, and I'm just going, now there's a guy. You, you can tell his heart by his actions. The third thing that I see it was his mind was in, his heart was in, and his actions were in. The last verse of this particular portion of Scripture says that when they bought, brought their boats in from the sea, they brought them into the land, it says this, listen, listen, listen. They gave him or forsook everything. Laid, just, just left it there. I mean, it's their business. It's their boats. It's their nets. It's their livelihood. It's their family. It's their everything. And it says, they looked at it, and they had this revelation, and it says, they left it, and they followed him. They went all in. Man, this, this, listen, 
this is so difficult for us Americans to even comprehend. You can feel it right here. It's just like, yeah, I kind of get it, but. I mean, you don't understand my, my house, my things, my stuff. Again, it's okay to have them, but the fact that you just are, it's kind of like, mine. The fact that we just can't even go, okay, I know you might let me keep them, but I trust you with them, so I just, <sighs> no, right? Mm-hmm. Come on, we all, I feel it. Can we, can we be honest? Come on. And it's this, it's this encounter where Jesus asks us to match our beliefs with our behaviors. That we don't confess one thing and live different. The challenge with our nation today is that we as Christians have separated our beliefs from our behaviors. I believe that God is doing something, allowing the tension that we're feeling in our nation. If I could just be prophetic with my eyes open. We're living on one of the the, the most opportunistic times, the greatest awakening in history for this nation is right around the corner, but it will come through those that will say, I'm all in. Yeah. 